The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. You know the drill. By now you can find our podcast as part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel featuring our podcast, Blitz Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, the Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Circling the Wagons, the Mafia Mavens, and the Nick and Nolan Show. My name is John Boccasino, the host of this fine program, being joined by my co-host Jamie D'Amico here. We are wrapping up week seven, putting a big bow on Buffalo, getting to five and one for the 11th time in franchise history. It was not pretty. There were moments of, of sheer ineptitude for the Bills on both sides of the ball against a winless Dolphins team. Uh, but of course, all that matters is what happens at the end of the day. And the Bills emerged with a 31-21 to 21 victory to again get to 5-1 and one on the year. And joining us now on Believe is Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, good morning. John, happy to be here. And uh, before we get started, since one shout-out deserves another, my friend Rodel Molyneux was being interviewed by the incredible Julie Mason on her Sirius XM talk show on POTUS Politics channel. And wow, I feel important now. And since our listenership is, oh, a small fraction of the one that they have over there, I feel like I need to say, hey, thanks, guys. That was great. Now, Looping it back into the Bills game, and sorry about that, everybody else who's listening. There was no way the Bills could win in the minds of Bills fans unless this game was a blowout, and that it was not. It was actually a grind and a struggle, and very expectedly, it seems like Bills fans aren't feeling real good about this one. What do you think, John? Yeah, Jamie, there was definitely um, the sky is falling kind of feeling at New Era Field. I mean, I I will say I was not one of the Bills Mafia members who was booing the team off the field at halftime, although I don't blame them for being frustrated. I just never believe that booing your own team does any good. Um, it might help you vent some frustrations out there, but in the long run, I support the team and I hope that they bounce back and uh, and give me the performance that, you know, they, they should. And I feel like Sunday's game was a a kind of a I told you so moment because on the preview podcast we did talk about even though we both predicted 
the Bills to win. I mentioned that there was a good chance that Buffalo would be trailing or a closer than expected margin uh, in this game against the Dolphins. And for the main reason being Ryan Fitzpatrick. For most of the day on Sunday, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the good Fitzpatrick. He was a Fitzmagic that really Bills fans had been used to when he could capture lightning in a bottle and, and do effective drives and lead his teams to touchdowns. But of course, as Fitzmagic always turns into Fitztragic, it was great for the Bills fans to benefit from a couple of turnovers that we will get to, including a huge Trey White interception in the fourth quarter. But yes, this game did not feel good um, if you're a Bills fan. You don't feel good about the Bills' defense getting absolutely shredded um, on Sunday. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the fact that the Dolphins put up 21 points on the third-ranked defense, 381 total yards of offense, the most any team has had against Buffalo this season, was distressing. And the first half, especially when you look at the offense, turning three nice drives and settling for three field goals and the defense getting shredded again by Fitzpatrick and the passing game. There's a lot to not feel good about, but you know what I do feel good about five and one. How about you? Five and one feels outstanding. And sitting there, especially through the first half of that game, it was a bit of a struggle. Now here's something interesting to talk about myself again. I was out of the country for two weeks and that included during the Patriots game and I haven't seen the Bills lose in the 2019 season. So to see them behind and looking like a team that had been had, been had that was a weird feeling for me in 2019. And especially at the end of the first half, when you saw the ineptitude on offense and their inability to move the ball when they had a chance to, to drive with just over two minutes left, but they looked like in their minds that they were that they were finished. And there was a play specifically where Tyler Croft was called for a false start. The body language by the offensive line, especially John Feliciano, the way he stood up and started walking backwards, it was terrible. And that's the kind of thing where I'm sure at halftime, some of the veteran leadership, like the Lee Smiths of the team, grabbed a hold of these guys and said, hey, wake up. This game isn't over yet. I, I was I was very concerned. But, you know, luckily, this team seems to put together some good drives in the fourth quarters of games. And fortunately, we came out with that. Honestly, Jamie, I was upset with um, the first quarter and the first half, the play calling for Brian Dable. It seemed like too often they got cute. They tried to get really creative and do these, you know, yeah, Josh Allen is a good runner and he had a couple of nice design runs that gained four or five yards and those were good plays. But then you would get third down scenarios, especially in the red zone in the first half, where on a third and one, they draw up a complex passing play and it's like it's third and one you've got Frank Gore future Hall of Famer in the backfield you've got the explosive Devin Singletary you've even got Patrick DeMarco who hauled in a 27 yard reception early in the first half who could pound the ball and get one yard for you I just Jamie to me I really had a problem with the play calling in the first half letting the Dolphins hang around uh, Josh Allen did not uh, do any favors of course for the offense six of 15 for 90 yards in the first half he misfired badly uh, on some deep ball throws, uh, including one to Andre Roberts, where it seemed like, you know, no matter how fast Andre ran, he just was not going to catch up uh, to the ball that Josh put out there. So, but it, it was frustrating in the first half, but then like all has happened this year, the second half, things turned around and the offense rallied. And believe it or not, Jamie, Josh Allen now has four 
fourth quarter comeback or game winning this year. And you know what? To me, it's impressive because this is a game where we're not talking about bad Josh Allen. We're not talking about him forcing a throw into double coverage or firing a rocket off his back foot that gets intercepted or looking for too much on a play. Josh took what was there. He was let down by a couple of big drops, including one by Dawson Knox, where he just took his eyes off the ball and started running up field instead of catching it. And that would have been a ball that extended a drive and kept the Bills going further in Miami possession. But at the end of the day, Josh Allen's numbers were not terrible at all. He had no interceptions. He led the Bills to a victory, and he had two touchdowns passing and one thunderous uh, throw that almost went out of the stadium on a two-point conversion run. So let's let's start with that during our breakdown. The Josh Allen that we saw, what did you see from Buffalo's second-year quarterback? I was looking a little bit more for game management against the Dolphins because I thought that keeping it on the ground was going to be the, the way to go. And unfortunately, Brian Dable didn't seem to stick with the ground and pound that we had hoped for in the preview podcast. Now, I think that Josh Allen was not as accurate as he could have been, but at the same time, the team wasn't doing him any favors between the drops that you mentioned and also the number of penalties that they had was was atrocious between the false starts and the holding penalties. You know, they were really putting themselves behind the eight ball. And when the game was on the line, Josh Allen stepped it up. Now, there's a couple of things that happened that, stand out in the minds of fans, one of which is that overthrow that you had mentioned to Andre Roberts. Now, here's the thing. Josh Allen is abysmal on deep passes. Everybody talks about that big arm, which of course he's got, and you know, the they say he can throw the ball outside of the stadium is sort of uh, an analogy or a cliche, and he almost literally did it after the two-point conversion. I didn't love Josh Allen's performance, but there were a couple of things to really like, including that touch pass to Duke Williams was absolutely perfect. That's the kind of throw that you want to see Josh Allen making where he's putting touch on the ball and hitting people in stride where they can do something with it. I think that it was all just part of Josh Allen's evolution. And sometimes that includes pulling out the tough games to turn yourself around when when things aren't going your way and show that kind of leadership. I think it was there. I don't hate what I saw. Of course, we need to tighten it up a little bit, but this is a young player learning how to win, and I'm good with that. Well, the Bills definitely learned how to win on Sunday, and of course, there's no such thing as style points you know, for an ugly win or a fantastic-looking loss. At the end of the day, Buffalo does get a 31-21 win. I'm glad you brought up the Duke Williams throw, Jamie, because that was incredibly impressive where he looked off a couple of different defenders on another receiver, and he lofted this perfect ball that only Duke could catch, led to a huge first down. It was a great play by Josh Allen. And in the third and fourth quarters, we again saw a reversion of Josh to being good Josh Allen. He goes from being 6 of 14 in the first half. He completed, I believe, 10 of 11 passes at one point in the second half, including on a touchdown drive in the fourth quarter that um, was a game-changing sequence of events. The Dolphins come downfield. They have a fourth and goal deep in Buffalo territory. The crowd is so loud at that point that Brian Flores, the coach, calls a timeout. And then Miami comes out there and runs a fake field goal and gets two yards to get a first and goal from the two. And here is, Jamie, where our segue and our play of the game comes in. Because I think without Jordan Phillips blowing up 
his offensive lineman and rescuing the Bills defense for a 10-yard sack that really changed the momentum of the game. Buffalo would have been looking at a 21-9 to deficit at a time when the offense had showed anything that it couldn't score touchdowns. It was getting field goals, not touchdowns. So to me, the huge swing in the game was Jordan Phillips just blowing up his guy, bringing down Fitzy for a 10-yard sack, and then Fitzy did what Fitzy has always done. He played well for three quarters, but he makes one horrible decision trying to force a pass to the sideline. There is Tredavious White to come away with the acrobatic interception. He stays in bounds, drags his feet, makes the play. It was an unbelievable uh, sequence of events for Trey White. Uh, Buffalo gets the ball. Instead of being down 21-9, to they have a first down at their own two-yard line. And Josh Allen proceeds to go on a 98-yard drive, capped with a beautiful pass to John Brown over the middle for a nice 20-yard touchdown strike. 10 of 11 for 112 yards was Josh Allen in the second half with both of those touchdowns and, of course, that key two-point conversion. So, Jamie, to me, if Trey White doesn't make that huge interception and if Jordan Phillips doesn't get that tremendous sack on Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's a whole different game on Sunday. One of my criticisms of the Buffalo Bills is the lack of big-time playmakers. I've talked about blue-chip players, the guys that that opposing coordinators game plan against, and what we saw was Trey White becoming a big-time playmaker in that moment, and that is exactly what the team needed. That was a moment that turned the game around and maybe maybe even maintained their season as we've seen it so far. Like I said before, good teams figure out ways to win. Bad teams figure out ways to lose. And what we saw in that moment was exactly that. Miami is a bad team. Now, they didn't look like it on Sunday. They got behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and really rallied and looked like a team that was going to win that game for a significant portion of it. You know what? I would have taken that Miami Dolphins and put them up against just about any team in the league and said, hey, you've got a real challenge in front of you. This was not the Josh Rosen Miami Dolphins that we saw just a week before. But big-time playmakers make big-time plays, and Trey White is having himself a season, and man, did that feel good. The Bills emerged with a 31-21 victory. Again, it was so huge getting the sequence of events for Trey White, and Trey White, for all the criticisms that he received during the offseason and the early part of this season, he stepped it up with perhaps his best game as a pro. He had that huge interception that led to, of course, the 98-yard scoring drive. And it was so cool, you know, Josh, his emotions and his excitement, you know, trying to throw that football out of the stadium Uncle Rico style after getting the two-point conversion to put Buffalo up 17-14. to You could tell just how much fun uh, he was having in that moment. And it carried over to the next drive when Trey White reached around and punched out the ball from Preston Williams, setting up another Buffalo touchdown drive, a three-play, 16-yard effort capped by a beautiful pass from Allen to Cole Beasley. Buffalo gets up 24-14 to halfway through the fourth quarter, of course. You knew the game was not over, just had that feeling it was going to come down to the wire. Fitzy, who had been bottled up in the running game all game long, does an unbelievable play to shred a tackle, to get past the grasp of one of, I think Jerry Hughes was the one who, really should have brought down Fitzy for a big sack. Instead, Fitzy runs downfield, gets a touchdown for 11 yards. It's 24-21. to 21. 
a minute 45 to go. And this sets up really our play of the game for uh, the third time. This is unbelievable, Jimmy. Micah Hyde does a leaping catch on the onside kick attempt, and he rumbles back and takes it all the way to the house for a touchdown. This has happened 11 times in NFL history that a player has returned an onside kick for a touchdown. The Bills had three of those 11 occurrences. An unbelievable stat out there. Micah Hyde bringing it to the house for the first time since Henry Jones did it for the Bills. Greg Jones also did it as well uh, back in 1970. So an unbelievable um, moment out there for Buffalo, uh, capping this game, putting a little bit of a, a space between them and the inspired Dolphins, who, again, you're right, with Fitzy under center, they're a totally different team than Josh Rosen. That's why I was afraid all week long of what Fitzmagic could do. But again, Fitzmagic turned Fitz tragic, and the Bills pull away with their fifth win in six attempts to get to 5-1 and one on the year. I want to pick on a couple of things on the defense, Jamie. You know, we've talked about this defense and how vaunted they are, but there were two things that really stood out to me about Sunday. One was Levi Wallace came back to earth with Trey White being so stout on one outside and Levi Wallace had a horrible game. He got picked on left and right and gave up a lot of big plays. So Levi Wallace disappointed me and this defense really misses Matt Milano because without Milano out there, the middle of the field was vulnerable. Fitzy was taking advantage of it. The Dolphins ground game led by a bunch of nobodies was really racking up some solid rushing attempts out there too and chipping away at that defense. And, uh, you know, a guy named Mark Walton ran for 14 times for 66 yards for the Dolphins. I just feel like if Milano is out there, that defense is a totally different unit. I agree. They were really hurting without him. And I I like Maurice Alexander as a backup. I don't want him on the field for half the snaps of the game. And he was out there quite a bit making some plays, but between he and and the discovery that Levi Wallace really struggles with big receivers and Miami's got some big boys out there, I, it, it kind of created a roadmap for how to attack the Bills until Milano returns at least. And with the hamstring, that can be a while. That could be up to six weeks before it's really in good shape. The other thing I would say is that they really need to figure out a way of generating pass rush from the front four. Those final drives of the game, especially in the fourth quarter, they just weren't generating any any push in the pocket. Now, maybe, maybe they should have uh, drawn up some blitzes. Leslie Frazier did that a couple of times at the end of the game, and it worked. It, it pushed Fitzpatrick out of the pocket, rushed some throws, but... If you're going to be sending only four players after the quarterback, they're going to have to come up with something different, maybe scheming some zone blitzes, some fire zones, some some more stunts, because you got to get to the quarterback in the NFL. And letting them stand back there, it's not going to get the job done. Yeah, I agree, Jamie. The Bills pass rush was disappointing outside of, of course, the huge play that Jordan Phillips had on Ryan Fitzpatrick. There really was not much uh, effectiveness. Jerry Hughes had himself a terrible game. I really thought he should have wrapped up Fitzy again on that running play that led to a touchdown. Uh, The Dolphins were able to get sustained drives against the Bills defense, going 70 yards, 60 yards, 71 yards, and 59 yards on their four longest drives, which no team had done that against Buffalo this year. Now, again, I attribute a lot of that to Matt Milano being out and a veteran quarterback and Fitzy being able to dissect and take advantage of what the defense gave him. But the Bills were just too bad on third down, too. They were 7-13. They allowed the Dolphins to go for a 54% conversion on third down. 
two fourth down conversion attempts were successful as well. So Leslie Frazier has to find a way to dial up the defense, get the pass rush going again, because the Dolphins have an average to below average offensive line. And yet the Bills are not able to have much success against that unit on Sunday. Disappointing to say the least that the Bills had. It almost seemed like for the first half, the Bills were still playing on their bye week where they just didn't really come out. I don't, I'm not saying they took the Dolphins for granted, but the play just wasn't as inspired as you would hope it would have been before a raucous crowd. That crowd, Jamie, did not take anything for granted. We wanted the Bills to come out there and win by 30, and unfortunately the team's energy did not match the fans' enthusiasm. But, okay, the Bills still won. They're 5-1. and one. They get the disappointing Philadelphia Eagles coming to town on Sunday. And I'll give you a stat, Jamie, that really I thought was inspire- inspiring. Even though Buffalo gave up 21 points to the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, where people are still kind of surprised that the Dolphins offense moved that effectively, despite giving up the 21 points to the Dolphins, the Bills have allowed 91 points first six games. It's the fewest points Buffalo has allowed in their first six games since the 1993 season. So let's just pump the brakes on this defense is overrated and the sky is falling because, again, at the end of the day, the Bills are 5-1 and one, and that great Bill Parcells quote, you are what your record is, and the Bills are 5-1, and one, and right now they are the second-best team in the AFC. So I think Bills fans have a lot to be optimistic about. I agree, and I'm looking forward to the game coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles, while they haven't put up the wins, they're still a, a tough team, and I'm, I'm excited to see what the Bills can do against that. But that is a conversation for another time. Yes, that's a good segue, of course, to our preview podcast for the Week 8 game coming up at New Era Field. The Bills hosting the Eagles at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Buffalo gets a win, 5-1. and one. They, of course, still trail the evil empire New the Patriots in the AFC East. The Patriots shut out the New York Jets to get to 7-0 and on Monday Night Football, but the Bills are the only team in the AFC with one loss. And, uh, you know, the Bills' strength of schedule down the road looks pretty uh, less informidable, so the Bills have some good opportunities to get a bunch of wins here coming up in a row and try to make that push to get to 10 wins, which I think should be a safe number to make the playoffs for the second time in three years. But again, Bills win 31-21. I want to thank my co-host, Jamie D'Amico, for bringing it all down and dissecting it with us here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Please go out and make sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it. We'd love to have your support on all of your podcasts. Of course, search Buffalo Rumblings and you will find our podcast channel. You can also follow us on social media at Buff, B-U-F-F, Rumblings. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino, B-O-C-C-A-C-I-N-O. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, signing off here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, I am John Boccasino. We'll talk more Bills football with you later on this week.